0: This is Trackside with Kirk Cabin and Kevin Lee. This race could well be stopped. In fact, there comes the rain pretty heavily. We're watching Pat Vidan. The yellow is out, and we're going to wait to make it official if he's going to pull out the red or not, which has to happen. Now it's pouring down rain. That's going to be it. And Bobby Unser from Albuquerque, New Mexico, may have
1: weathered the storm, so to speak, and pushed himself into victory lane here by virtue of water.
0: Number four, the Pennzoil Chaparral, his hands in the air. Johnny Rutherford wins the 1980 Indianapolis 500-mile race. Wayne Sweeney has two checkered flags in his hands as he signals the end of the race to Johnny Rutherford. Out of four, one turn to go. It will be three straight for Roger Penske, but not three straight for Nevis. For the second time in three years, Team Penske goes 1-2. This time it's Sheila and winning the 87th Indianapolis 500-mile race. They call him the Iceman, but today at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, he is red hot, and he is the winner of the 92nd Indianapolis 500-mile race. Scott Dixon from New Zealand drives Target Chip Ganassi racing into victory lane. Did Elio make the move three laps too early? Does he have anything at all left in the tank? A couple of turns to go. Ryan Hunter Ray leads it in
1: the turn number 800 is upon us. Less than a car length is the difference.
0: The final turn. Hunter Ray to call the finish. The voice of the 500, Paul Page. And it is Ryan Hunter Ray that is going to lead Elio Castro across the line. Ryan Hunter Ray has his first Indianapolis 500 mile race win.
1: We're more than halfway towards race week this weekend. The 106th Indianapolis 500 are open tonight. previous Indy 500s that happened on this date, May 25th from 1975, 1980, 2003, 2008, 2014, courtesy of our studio producer, Sam Rumsa. So let's see 75. Kurt was Bobby Unzer. Is that right? 80. That's right. That's 80 was Johnny right. Rutherford. 03 was Gilda Ferran, 2008 was Scott Dixon, and 2014 was Ryan Hunter-Reay. That great duel with Elio Castroneves. So we'll hear that in post production tonight. But you just heard it just a moment ago. Thanks for joining us on the program, Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan on social media. I've still got tweets from last night that we didn't get to. We'll get to those tonight before the end of the program tonight, and several things. We want to discuss, but it's just about time to get into the race this weekend. So we talked about qualifying a lot last night. So now let's talk about the race situation. Um, Maybe we'll save our tears for tomorrow, but we might start touching on that a little bit tonight. What do we expect on Sunday? Do we feel good about who we think has the best chance at this point? Or do we
0: still need to see Friday to help us confirm any opinions? I don't need to see more running to confirm how I feel. Now that doesn't mean that how I feel a is correct. And B (laughs) uh, we tend to see a lot of these races where somebody looks head and shoulders above everyone else. Scott Dixon being that driver in the last couple of years. And yet, you know, he runs out of fuel last year on the first pit sequence and he's no longer a factor. So, you know, something can change the dynamics or up in the, The prognosticators pretty quickly, but I think if if I were in Vegas and I were setting odds, I would I would just have to have the two Penske or the two Ganassi cars that are at the top of the order, Scott Dixon and Alex below, and I really like as you do Joseph Newgarden. Now after that, I think there are many other drivers that could win the race given the right circumstances, but I think it's going to have to go through particularly the two Ganassi cars. And I think at some point Joseph will be in that lead group of three or four or five cars. But to me, I'm, I'm going to be surprised if, if those two, I used to call them red cars when Ganassi had target. But uh, when those two red cars are, are at the front, I mean, that's where I expect the race to kind of go. But again, you know, these things get upended pretty quickly. So. We'll have, to, we'll have to see how that plays out, but I think it's Dixon's to lose. And here's the advantage that Chip Ganassi Racing has.
1: One, two, if they can run one, two for a little while, they can manipulate their stints. They can just swap back and forth who's the lead. So I asked a couple of people, and I'll ask some more uh, this weekend, but the general thought, is that if you led the entire stint, you're getting at least a lap, more like a lap plus, not quite two laps, less in fuel mileage. So if 34 is how far you can go if you're running in line, it's pitting on 32 or 33 if you're leading the race, like Renus VK did last year. I think he pitted from the start at 32 because he had led an awful lot of the first stint. Dixon might have just somewhat let those guys go by but that's the ideal situation is that those two are up front. They're swapping back and forth
0: and potentially in a way to keep from whoever is third, getting up there in that mix. And I think Marcus Erickson will find his way to that, that uh, one, two starting position of Dixon and below. I think you'll find Erickson, either they kind of drop back to him or he finds a way to get there. But I think, I think you'll see three of them up there. Honestly, uh, VK will be the wild card in the group because he likes to lead. And, and I w- actually wouldn't be surprised if they just let him lead and they run second and third, that, that wouldn't be uh, a big surprise either, but, you know, and, and then you've got those other two cars of, of, uh, Tony Kanaan and Jimmy Johnson, obviously they're very, very fast and. I mean, so there's just many ways to play this and that's a real advantage that, that Ganassi has is it has five cars to deal with and, and they're all there. You know, if you look at other teams, uh, through the years and, and even this year, you know, you, you've got two Ed Carpenter cars in the first four, but you don't have the balance or the depth, I guess they should say that, um, that, uh, ganassi has and then andretti they're all spread out through the field so you've got your five pretty close together if you're chip ganassi and i expect that we'll see a lot of those kind of shadowing each other i wouldn't be surprised i think the hope for med carpenter
1: racing is that renas vk does not lead a lot uh but he might and then that's the conundrum is do you approach it like simon pagino did who got a little bit lucky that the yellow came out at the right time But he said, you know what, let's be bold. And and here's the reason why I think you lead and throw that out the window and hope for yellows is if you think that you can't hold on to second and might slip back. Ideally, you're just running second. And third is still fine. And it's not like you're in a bad spot in fourth. But I think you you just want to stay in one of those top three spots because after that, you're running a risk of the dirty air and not being able to get through. So I I think that's one to watch in there as well. You you know, you mentioned Ericsson up there. They could be running a one, two, three situation. What we don't know is if one manufacturer is going to get any better fuel mileage than the other. I think it's been pretty close between Honda and Chevy recently. We don't know if tire wear is any different this year with the penetrance back on it. We think that's one of the reasons with extra grip, that that has uh, added to more speed. So does that impact tire wear positively or negatively? If So so far, what I've been told is they think the tire wear is pretty similar, but nobody before the Monday practice had really run full stint. So I'm sure they got a lot of good intel on Monday, and we'll do some snooping on Friday morning and throughout the day, and actually tomorrow when, when everybody's back at the track, and we'll talk to some people but if tire wear is a consideration, what you might see some people do is pit a lap early, like on road courses, and try to use what they call the undercut, meaning you know, if everybody's falling off significantly, yes, you're getting the fuel mileage, but if you're slower towards the end, if you have a faster in and out lap and can get around someone, track position means an awful lot. If it's not for first or second. If it's just to pick up a spot to get to fifth or sixth, that might be the way to pick up one or two spots every stint if you come in a lap early and then you're back to taking that risk that you're hoping that the caution comes out at the right time to, you know, where everybody doesn't go a full stint and we're off sequence and it it becomes a six or seven stop race rather than five because it, right, it can be, I haven't done my math yet, but I think it can be five. If somehow you are staying green the whole time or the yellows come early and people are running all the way to the 33 to 34 and a fuel saving 35 laps that you can do on a tank of fuel. So those are some of the things that I see in there. And then those at the back, here's the challenge. They can get up to the front, but you need to know you're going to be hit the front coming out of a pit stop or your car is going to be tuned to deal with traffic. You know, then it's going to be hard to to stay at the front and have the speed if
0: your car is balanced to be able to work in the middle of all the cars. Well, we heard that last year from from Juan Montoya on that last sequence. He was pretty well positioned for the last shootout. Came out of the pit stop and he had gone from you know from six to to losing. Well, he was still six, but he, he lost contact with the cars in front of him and he was set up for traffic. And all of a sudden he's got a two or three second gap to the car in front of him. He couldn't, he couldn't maintain the speed. So he dropped back between behind a couple drivers to, uh, to get the, you know, the feel back in the race car and burn off the tires. So interesting stuff in that respect. But one of the common themes that I've heard this week, just from asking drivers and listening to them is that this will be more of a road course race on an oval than we typically see that phrase leads you to believe that tire wear and some undercutting, as you described, could be really in play. I don't know if that's why they brought that up, but, but, you know, positions are going to be difficult to get. And I think somebody will try that, you know, the, you know, the pit stop, the first pit stop will help uh, dictate a lot of this. If it's kind of funky, the way we saw in the GMR Grand Prix, and Colton Herder was able to come there and change the strategy a little bit. Well, you know, that that can have an impact on the race if there's an early caution and somebody, you know, from the back make becomes the first to stop and and then, you know, then is on a different sequence if you will. That could be interesting, but I think it's going to be tough for people to come from the back. Uh there are normally not a lot of good cars in the back. So anybody in the back is going to have to contend with others in the back who are trying to get to the front. So, you know, if you're somebody like Elio who starts 27th, I mean, his first order of business is getting around Scott McLaughlin and Colton Herta in his row. And then if he gets to the next row, he's got Sage Karam and, and that's, that's been a car we've, we've liked a lot. The next row in front of him has got Callum Lot and, uh, and Alexander Rossi and if he's going to get in front of that row he's got Connor Daly who we know has been quick at Indy the last couple of years and Simon Pagano. so it just you know every row from from LAO forward is is going to be difficult to pass well it just goes back to what we talked about the depth
1: there's not that 20 something that we think can win the race but when we go through listing them who do you think could finish in the top seven and it's not a shocker and it's probably 27 cars 28 cars yeah pretty much all of them in the right the circumstances are talented enough drivers good enough programs where they can get up there in that situation here's the other thing with you know road course strategy and undercut and overcut what if it's the other way around and the tires are very consistent which I think is more likely to be the case then it's well if the tires aren't falling off, you may be faster at the end of the stint than you are at the beginning because you're light on fuel load. And that may be the opportunity. If you can stay out one or two laps later, as long as you're not just massively saving fuel, but if you're still running a pretty good pace and can stay out a couple of laps longer and somehow the guy right in front of you is pitted to where you're able to move forward a little bit and pick up a little bit of track time and not just stuck behind someone That might be the way that you can jump someone. So keep an eye on that strategy. Then that brings us back to the Ganassis. If you do that, you run the risk of a caution coming out. And if you're tight on fuel, you might not make it to pit lane. So if you're Chip Ganassi racing, do you come? Obviously, in that situation last year, I don't know that they were waiting until the absolute last moment, but it's the next to the last lap. But then, if you have to run four laps under caution, that's like a lap and a half under green, and all of a sudden you're out of fuel. So, do you take a make more conservative approach and pit before you absolutely
0: have to, just to protect against that scenario? I think you will. I think the Ganassi's will. I think Scott will be advocating to uh, <laughs> to pit on the early side as opposed to to running that risk. I mean, keep in mind, and, and I haven't done the historical research here, but it stands to reason that the most the most uh, likely of the caution periods are going to come at the start of the race and at the end of a fuel stint when the tires are starting to go away and the car is light. And, you know, you tend or to have... Or just getting
1: onto pit lane. We've seen that the most difficult
0: p- part of the race last year. Yeah, just getting onto pit lane. That's, that's true. Or, you know, getting into your pit box. We saw some spins on pit lane. So, yeah, the caution coming out at the end of a fuel run when you're already pushing it pretty close is probably the second most likely time to see a caution. So I think there are going to be some, some teams that will err on the side of caution and, and, uh, and pit without extending it too far. I think that's the way I'd approach it if I'm up front. If I'm Scott
1: McLaughlin or Elio Castro Neves, or Colton Herta or anybody with a good car that's back in the back. I might be willing to risk it a little bit because I do think that their cars are going to be good enough to get up front, but you're going to need, you're going to need to pick up a few in bulk to probably be in position to win the race. Connor Daly, for example, one of the reasons why he led the race last year. Yes, he had a really good car, but he started, I think 19th. So he had not pitted On that first caution, but was obviously getting better fuel mileage running in the middle of the pack than Scott Dixon and Alexander Rossi were. So he was able to get the advantage of pitting under caution and didn't have to take emergency service and the car didn't stall. So that's one of the reasons why he leapfrogged up near the front and led the race for a little while. So that's how you make a big leap from the back to the front is something extraordinary has to happen. So you still, I think back there want to do something different. You want to do something opposite of what the others do. It might not work out and you might be back there in 28th place, but you are already there. And if your goal
0: is to win the race, if it's not just to finish in the top 10, then I think you do something bold. I think people will be really examining what Graham Rahal's team did last year. Uh, They, they were a, you know, a second half of the, of the field starter. Um, certainly not in the first 10 or 12 cars. I don't remember where they exactly started, but, but, you know, they were, they had the fuel pretty well, pretty, pretty much in hand. They were in good shape on fuel and, and then they came out of the pit stop and, and lost the wheel, but, uh, you know, they had things pretty well covered. So I think that, you know, and I think and, he did the same thing as Connor. Yeah. I think he stayed
1: out. He, he was able to make it. Uh, and not make his first pit stop until during that caution and
0: and didn't run out of fuel during the caution before the pits opened. So, And and I remember one of the first things he said after he kind of settled down from the disappointment was unfortunately showed everybody how you could pull it off. So that'll be, uh, I think some people will be studying that very carefully. All right, when I get to some
1: uh, Twitter questions and some that were archived, from yesterday and some that have just come in in the last little while today. Uh, at Kevin Lee 23, at Kurt Cavan, Jeffrey Keen is showing he's uh, taking home his screaming Sicilian pizza in his Honda that he drove, that he bought for, from Carvana. So uh, just simply taking advantage of IndyCar sponsorship. As I always say, uh, race fans like to support those that support racing. And that's why I think motorsport sponsorship Can work. I know it's not the greatest number of eyeballs in the world, but you get a lot of bang for your buck. Lawrence Cunningham is one of several that have asked this, and he was the most recent to ask. Is there a plan if Friday gets rained out, Saturday practice, or just go straight to race day? So I don't believe there's an official plan. It's always kind of fluid, and there are always many extenuating circumstances, but here's what I think would be the plan uh, they can stay all day. Uh, they could move around the concerts. They could run the concerts at the same time. The cars are on track. It's it's kind of a different crowd. I think there's a crowd that goes there to watch the race cars and there's another crowd that goes to watch the concerts. And there are a lot of people that like to do both, but maybe both are happening at the same time. I don't know, but I, I believe if it's wet at 11 AM on Friday morning, And it looks like it's going to dry up at some point later that day. I suspect we'll sit around and wait for a while to try to get some action on track. They don't need a full two hours. They could probably get by with 30 minutes and feel pretty good about things, but you'd like to get Dalton Kellett back on track and his repaired car. Who knows? Maybe there's someone else that didn't like their engine and is making a change, a precautionary change. you would like to give them a chance and, You'd like to let, see the race fans see cars on track on Friday. So if it's going to dry up, my guess is I've not been given a time, but, you know, obviously it stays light until what, eight o'clock or so. I don't think they'd go that long, but I bet they'd go to six, somewhere in that range to get a practice in. And if it rains all day, I think it's possible they come back and do something early on Saturday morning. I don't know if they'd open up the track for that because there are a lot of other things. Maybe they would. The track's open anyway for... Is there still a public autograph session? Is there anything at the track Saturday morning?
0: I don't think there's much at the track. I'd have to look at the run of show, but before we get into Saturday, we'll have to see if if Friday works. I think they could go as late as 7 o'clock on on Friday because it really isn't dark until about
1: 8.45. Yeah, they could... Uh, so that's why we, nobody would commit to anything. They're going to need to kind of ask around because everybody has obligations. They all need to be at a sponsor dinner by six or six thirty. So yeah, you could push it back a little bit and everybody would understand, but remember these are the people paying for this and that's pretty important. And obviously a team could say, we're shutting it down at five 30 and we're going to the dinner, but that's not a good idea. So they want to keep things equal. So maybe there is a cutoff somewhere in there, especially if the forecast looks good for Saturday morning, you might just say, let's get everybody out of here early, do the things you need to do. Maybe they do something 9 a.m. And it's still possible that they could say, you know what? You ran two hours on Monday. We only had one day of rain out, although we did have another day where it was so windy. Nobody did a whole lot. Um but I, th- I think they're going to do everything they can. So I guess this is the way I'd summarize this. I don't believe that they say we're good. We're going to not worry about it. I think they will do everything they can to get at least 30 or 45 minutes of on-track activity sometime before Sunday. And and it's not going to be a late Saturday afternoon. I think the latest is uh, a Sunday a Saturday morning type of situation. All right, let me go back to the... Screenshots I did with some good questions we had for yesterday's show. Oh, way too many screenshots. That's how I grab my information. By the way, Jimmy Johnson's going to be on the... Uh, who, who's the NBC late night show? It shows that I don't really stay up very late. <laughs>
0: I haven't uh, stayed up.
1: Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy yeah, Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. He's going to be on... The, so that that's a good get. That's good for IndyCar. He's going to be on the Jimmy Fallon show later tonight. I've seen... That confirmed by Jimmy's social media. I heard about that over the weekend, but I did not know if that was confirmed at this point. Uh, I know I took, Kurt, screenshots of all these Twitter questions from yesterday, but they're lost in the shuffle from things. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to break early, and rather than tap dance, we'll re- regroup, come back, and do that in just a moment. It's Trackside, 93.5, the fan. Hi, this is Scott Dixon and you're listening to Trackside on 935 and 1075 The Fan. Trackside continues 935 1075 The Fan, middle of race week, getting set for everything happening this weekend with uh, carb day on Friday, the parade is back this this year on Saturday and obviously the 106th Indianapolis 500 coming up on Sunday. A few Twitter questions, so we did answer this one last night, but we'll Give a plug to Chris, Mr. CMB 99. Was McLaughlin required to take his run after the rain delay? He was, or his time would have been withdrawn. The plural of moose is moose. E. Hirschberger says an amazingly safe week. He sent this in before uh, Dalton's mishap on Monday. Have we ever seen a month of May with so
0: few incidents, particularly surprising, given the tricky conditions? Well, I can't remember one year from the next in terms of how many crashes, but I would still say it was a safe month. Dalton uh, popped right out of the car and and looked no worse for the wear at uh, the Burger Bash on Monday night. He was sore, sure, but it was a big hit. That was a proper hit, as I described it. And uh, he was, you know, he was he was fine. Josh Bartles,
1: Bartles ninety nine. Says IMS had the cleanest bath, the cleanest stadium and bathrooms. The last two weekends crews constantly emptying garbage cans and cleaning bathrooms. As a result, more people cleaned up after themselves. Others still couldn't be bothered. Lots of garbage cans. Take a hint. Slobs. Hashtag track side. It does make a good point though, that we, we as a people generally kind of follow along. And if we see things are well-kept, then people tend to, uh, try to do their best, so then it does even stand out more and get really annoying if people have total disregard for the way something looks. So those are are most likely not real race fans that we're seeing. Those are people, and hopefully they they take the cue from everybody else. Jimmy Johnson, uh, a different Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy J, I think at least, Jimmy J47, because yeah, he would be Jimmy J48, wouldn't he? He yeah. asked, how do you think this will affect carb day practice? And he was referring to the graphic of the Monday practice, meaning would people sit on carb day because of this two hour session? So I asked a few teams that on Monday and the general consensus was no, we'll run. If it's open, we're all going to run. We're going to run as much as we can. Uh, Ed, Ed Carpenter did tell me we might limit it a little bit if we get everything that we want done today. And this was before the practice started. So I don't know if they felt like they got everything done or not, but generally speaking, Something happens that you don't feel super about. So you're still going to go out again. Maybe they don't run 75 laps like they did last year or not last year. I think last year was rain, but the last time it was a normal carb day, but I'll be really surprised if anybody puts it in the barn with less than 20,
0: 25 laps on it. I, I bet you're seeing 40, 45, 50 laps. Agreed, and I think the conditions will be different than we saw on Sunday or or even Saturday. So, you know, whether there's wind or heat, I mean, whatever changes, that'll be something they all try to to get a handle on, or at least get their cars back to. Especially if if Sunday looks like consistent with what we see on Friday. Mike Wilson, twenty
1: four twenty four. Why did the forty eight pretty much run by himself today, while everyone else seemed to? Went to run in a pack. This was from Monday. I had a few other people comment on that, that I didn't notice this. I was you know, walking up and down pit lane. I wasn't staring at the monitor. But they said that Jimmy just kind of ran in a line and and did kind of run by himself. Might make some sense. You kind of want to get some confidence back after that big moment he had. But
0: I, unless you're watching him the whole time, I can't say whether he tried to mix it up or not. You said you were walking up and down pit lane. I saw you kind of hustling one time when when you were way down on the north end and, and they wanted information on a car at the <laughs> pit out down on the south end. You said, fellas, give me some time to get there. I'm a long way away. So, so
1: what is that be? It's about half a mile, right? Yeah. Close to it because it's, it's five-eighths of a mile the whole way. So it's obviously, it's probably, it's a little less than a half a mile. It's probably about three-eighths of a mile. From sure. Pitbox One to Pitbox 33, or something like that. I got some good steps in. Here's a good note this wasn't a question directed to us. Oh, but we were tagged on it from Jeremiah Morrell. He asked a group of people, and luckily he, it included people like Mike Thompson, co host of Beyond the Bricks after us, but Jake Query, and Jake was tagged too Is Mario the most aged Indy 500 pole sitter? Dixon is 41. Ari is, was 43 at the time. Mario was 47. Possible that record could fall later this decade. Am I forgetting someone else? And Mike Thompson, Thompson four nineteen, 19, uh, who spent a lot of time with Donald Davidson as well, points out that Cliff Berger was 49 in 1946. He is the oldest. So that's a good factoid. All right. I guess I'll address this one. Um, I've not responded to Twitter, and, and in, fact, in fact, I think one person tweeted me seven different times and emailed. I did respond to his email. One of the reasons I didn't respond on Twitter, because I think the best path would have been to stay silent on this, but that's out the door, because people are asking, uh, they're, they're tagging IMS, they're tagging Doug Bowles, they're tagging IndyCar. People want to know, is Peacock going to be subject to the blackouts? One, I don't know. Two, I've read Doug Bowles being asked that. And I think the answer has been, I need to get back to you on that. So here was my, my kind of thought and why I didn't bring it up publicly. I thought it might possibly slip through the cracks and maybe you might get to see it. But uh, now, since everybody's thought about it, so I don't know what the contract says. know, I think the contract says that it's blacked out and the speedway gets to determine if that's not, if that's lifted or not, it's not an NBC decision. It would be an NBC's best interest to add more viewers and have a better rating to have the blackout lifted, because that's probably about a 0.1 difference. If you included Indianapolis live with the size of this market and the number of people that would be watching live, but we understand that this is the way it's been done and, and any rights holder, any, sporting entity facility promoter would love to have this available to them if they could. The NFL owners would still like to have it, but for a long list of reasons that I probably can't speak to accurately, that's no longer allowed. It is still allowed in this circumstance, and it was negotiated between the entities. Now, what's the language say about streaming? I believe in 2019, the streaming slipped through, and I'm not sure that anybody really thought about that. It wasn't a huge Number, but it slipped through and it might have slipped through again this year. Maybe it can't be blacked out, but my understanding is that it probably could be geo blocked. I don't know how specific they can get or not, but I think everybody's blowing the cover. So they're going to make a decision whether they want to do this and maybe it'll just stay quiet. Um, Maybe the answer in the press conference on Friday will still be I don't know, I'm not sure, and it might just show up. So I've had people saying, I'm not sure if I want to invest the $5. So that's up to you. If, if you want to invest the $5 and hope it's on there, um, you might get it, but I can't promise that you will. I would still encourage you since there are tickets available. How about you join us at the racetrack? It's supposed to be sunny and 83 on Sunday. Come out and join us.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I, I'm like you, I, I don't think it's going to slip through the cracks. Uh, if, too many people have asked. (laughs) Yeah, I know too many people have asked and more people are now on Peacock and, and I'll tell you what, I mean, I said it a couple of days ago, but the Peacock shows have been outstanding and I don't know why $5 uh, would matter to you. If you've gotten to see all the practices and you get to see all the practice qualifying and, and races live through the course of the season. So you can turn in and tune in at any time. And, and it's always on replay. I I don't know why anybody would bark at that. By the way, Peacock tells you
1: it's it's a cup of coffee.
0: Peacock tells you that you can cancel at any time. I I I could argue that maybe you should just cancel at the end of the season. I mean, roll with it for four more months, and you're out twenty bucks. And I think uh, most of us have uh, misplaced twenty bucks along the way, so I think we can handle it.
1: Or get it and watch Carb Day on Friday and see if it shows up. And if it doesn't. You know, well, then you can watch some reruns of The Office for the rest of the month until that's that's complete. So I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Uh, we'll see. By the way, speaking of technology, so I got this note from our friends at uh, Verizon. So this is if you're at the race. There has been an enhancement, my understanding is, to the IndyCar app, a new experience available on the IndyCar app, powered by Phoenix and Verizon, a 5G multi-camera experience for those at the track, with the race view from up to seven different camera angles at once, plus the ability to track the dashboard gauges like speed, throttle, braking, gear changes, and more. Um, It was unveiled at the Miami Grand Prix a few weeks ago, similar for Formula 1, and it's going to be here. It's something like this last year, but I'm told this is enhanced, and I think it has a broadcast option, and I also think it's going to be closer to real-time than a normal streaming situation would be. So, I'm not hundred percent certain if it's going to have the NBC broadcast, but I would look into that and see if it does maybe at least the pictures, maybe it has the audio. Uh, we've, we've heard some concerned about scanners because the, the provider is no longer there. I did tweet out a list of scanner frequencies that, that someone sent. So that's there from the last couple of days, but you might check out the IndyCar app to see what it has to offer on race day. Because as we all know, uh, you know, sometimes you can't hear the PA over the cars so it's good to have a, another source of information as to what's going on
0: yeah the app i think has gotten better and better and and i use it and i suspect uh, people would enjoy the experience here's a nugget that from a location i don't didn't expect to find something
1: from wccq.com today's hit country their website and actually was found by uh, someone else beyondtheflag.com where did i see it i just did a screenshot there are rumblings that nascar could race at chicagoland speedway next year BeyondTheFlag.com is reporting that a race date is not out of the question mike googliamucci i know mike he worked sure. with me on the pa for a couple of years and and he's he's from joliet says it could happen so he must work uh i don't know if he works with beyond the flag now or if he works at chicagoland speedway but says it could happen This says it looks like Phoenix is going to lose one of their two cup races and Chicagoland could slot into that spot. The race date could be August 13, 2023, according to beyondtheflag.com. So I've not heard that anywhere else. That said, I'm not super up to what that is. That's interesting. If Phoenix loses a spot, does that open up things? Maybe. I know Roger Penske has already said he doesn't expect any additions to the schedule next year. So I would not expect that to happen for next year, but things could change. You never do know trying to scroll down. Cause actually I remember someone tweeted me that and put me on alert to that, but the Twitter inbox is a bit full this month. It's been, it's been hard to sift through and find things at this point, but thank you for the heads up on that. And we will stand by that. Surprised me. I, I know Chicago land, the track is still there and they haven't totally torn things down but it sure seemed like it was headed the other way, but I hope it can be saved. That'd be fantastic. If it does.
0: Yeah, I think so too, but uh, it sounds like it was all full speed ahead on uh, shutting that down and, and utilizing that, that location for, for uh, industrial type buildings and so forth. So yeah, it's uh Joliet was a great place to race. Uh, it always seemed like it was a little too far out given the, the, the city, but there were a lot of race fans in the area. So you know, we saw some good racing up there for sure on the IndyCar side. All right. When we come back, we'll get into the
1: news of the day and we'll get into some things still coming up later on this week. I want to speak about and much more. And to your late Twitter questions at Kurt Cavin at Kevin Lee 23, Trackside 935 1075, the fan. Hi, this is Ed Carpenter, and you're listening to Trackside. It's time for the Speedrome and Circle City Raceway news of the day. And traditionally, a well, couple of nights before the 500 means dirt racing in the city. And they're doing it tonight and again tomorrow night at Circle City Raceway. That continues the tradition with USAC National Sprint Cars taking to the quarter-mile bull ring for a two-night extravaganza. Presented by Mastin and Kane Warehousing and Services. Brady Bacon on the show last night, CJ Leary and Justin Grant, just some of the stars slated to race. And JMV has been there tonight. Find out more at CircleCityRaceway.com. So I think our news of the day today is from the business world. Gainbridge was announced continuing and extending their multi year agreement as the presenting sponsor for the Indianapolis 500. That's significant. Started back in 2019 and it's going to continue on so very good news that gainbridge continues their relationship with the indianapolis motor speedway and the indianapolis 500 this weekend at the tom wood group indianapolis speedrome powered by lincoln tech the world famous figure eight takes center stage with saturday night's 47th running of the spring shootout one hour figure eight endurance race for the thunder and lightning unlimited horsepower late model figure eight cars plus a full night of racing on the historic 5th Mile Oval. Ticket information at speedrome.com. All right, speaking of what's coming up this weekend, the uh, person co-hosting the show that works at the Speedway didn't have the schedule right for Saturday, so luckily some people have filled me in on that. So the the, the track is going to be open on Saturday, and there is planning, and I'm pulling out the handy-dandy uh, color schedule, but there is an autograph session still scheduled for this weekend as well and there's still the public drivers meeting that's scheduled now keep in mind this is i guess all potentially somewhat subject to change if they decided that they needed uh, to have a little bit more track time and the challenge of go and shut the door the challenge of doing live radio show is yes i know we need to oil the doors because they're quite squeaky when someone comes in but there is going to be some activity on saturday at the speedway Uh, as far as open gates so there is that here's something else I'd be interested in there's so much else going on this weekend I know people would love to have an idea of what the short track schedule is around say 60 minutes if someone wants to put that all together and maybe it's somebody at USAC just putting together a, a nice graphic send it to me I'll mention it on tomorrow night's show you know I know obviously we have the carb night classic going on Friday night at Lucas oil, Indianapolis raceway park. I'm aware of the little 500 at Anderson speedway on Saturday. We've talked about what's happening at the Speedrome and circle city raceway. I think I'm missing some other things. So if somebody wants to send that along, we can give that a mention on the program tomorrow night too. Uh, some other things I wanted to talk about here as well. Uh, so I wanted to go back and, and then we're going to talk about Friday night, but before I forget, started to get into it last night and luckily content got in the way but i do want to thank all the people for the burger bash for their help this past monday night that we didn't have a chance to do or maybe i just didn't have it written down in front of me and and now i do as kurt and i were talking about on tuesday night i know i'm biased but i felt like it went pretty well i know a lot of people said they really liked the backdrop of just being able to sit out on their lawn chair watch the little informal show with what do we have probably nine different Indy 500 drivers there. And you're looking across the way and you can see the top of the pagoda and you can see the speedway. So, Just a nice backdrop for that. I know it's not as big as we could have on race weekend. And, and I understand that it's not great that out of towners can't attend, uh, but it's something. And, In all honesty, I think it might work a little bit better for the drivers in some perspective. I know it works better for some of the broadcasters because we get pretty booked up on the weekend. This would be whether my son was racing at Raceway Park or not. Just Friday night is really, really tough. So it went well, I think. Uh, The partners were happy. The IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center was happy. So I feel like we're in good position to be able to do that again, and then I'll get to what we're doing this weekend as well. But uh, I know I thank some of these people on site tonight on the radio show. I really want to thank Emma's Communications because I think that adds to the program by doing the radio show live. We, when we started thinking about resurrecting this, we thought, well, you know, we can just do a little program, maybe I tape it and it runs the next night, and. Ultimately, we came to, now it it adds to it more if it's live on the radio. It it brings in the people that can't get there, and it just adds a little bit of significance. So I'm glad we did that, and essentially, Emma's Communications donated the airtime. If you want to do a live broadcast, there's normally a sponsorship attached to that, and that's the way it has to happen. But they understood, hey, this is a good promotion, and it's good content for the radio show, so they donated the expense that would normally be charged for that, so thank you to them. Obviously, thank you to Prime Forty Sevens for supplying food to our VIPs and an opportunity for people in the, uh, in the show area, in the back parking lot, to be able to partake as well. Big thanks to Mark Lynch and Basic Needs Simple Solutions. They handled the logistics of raising the ticket money for and collecting the ticket money for the VIPs. And essentially what that started with is there are going to be expenses with anything you do. There is an expense to, to clean the facility. USAC basically donated the building and they're next on my list of thank yous. And by the way, Doug Bowles is the person who gave me the idea when I was looking for a venue where we could do something, frankly, that we weren't going to have to rent and pay a lot of money to and is pretty much easy setup and he said, hey, right there, that's a good location for you. Might be the right size. Uh so thank you to USAC. But we obviously wanted to clean up our mess at the end of the night. And there's a little bit of a fee along with that. We wanted to to pay for similar the other things, paying for the liquor uh inside, and, and just a few other things like that. And then there was a lot left over to donate back to the cancer center. So that's great. But Mark and Basic Needs Simple Solutions. Uh, look them up and and what they do to help is a, a charity organization and they helped coordinate things. All the drivers that came out, Calamila tatiana Tatiana Calderon, uh, Indy Lights driver, Benjamin Peterson, Kyle Kirkwood, Dalton Kellett, David Malukas, Stefan Wilson, Renus VK, uh, who else, Marcus Erickson. So we had two of the top five. James Hinchcliffe still an active driver I think I'm not calling him retired but a current broadcaster all of the Cape Motorsports USF 2000 drivers with the exception of Nikki Hayes Nikki just got back into town today so I'm sorry he couldn't be there and their team for bringing the car they volunteered to do that so they had a night off and they loaded up the transporter and brought it out so that was fantastic Indy Brew Bus Andy Uh, wanted to help Uh, he's been touched by cancer and donated a lot of time and there was a little bit of money exchange but trust me it isn't anywhere close to the effort that he put in and what he supplied so financially he took a big hit and it was just his donation to the cause so that was very nice as well he set up one of the uh, raffle items for us for the Gugman House Brewing Company here in town. So we appreciate them and look them up as well. Uh, Blue Marble provided some of the uh, pre mixed cocktails inside. And luckily we had a few left over. So I got to try one. I tried the Greyhound on Monday night after the show. Those were very good. Thanks to Kona Ice for the flavored ice for the kids. Uh, Darren Jack and the Hall of Fame collection, I really think, added to the experience with the memorabilia and that helped raise some money as well. Fast times indoor carding has been involved in every charity auction event that I've ever done. I've helped them with some of theirs, but they've helped me significantly more. So thank you to them for providing an auction item and then individual passes for our raffle i do think one thing i want to do more of next year uh the raffle went really well i'm going to find more items next year for the raffle so more people can take things home kurt felt the same way he's going to uh, get into that as well so we'll have a little bit more for for the auction item for just some smaller things for people that aren't interested in bidding on a four thousand dollar racing school experience but thank you to the lucas oil school of racing for donating a couple of different Uh, racing schools that go for $4,000 retail, just a fantastic bucket list experience. Or if uh, you've got a young driver that's going from carts to cars, that is the path that you want to go to. If you want to ride the Indy racing experience, the fastest seat in sports also very gracious in their donation race for RP, who we've talked about before they do uh, research for relapsing polychondritis and other autoimmune diseases where did I come up with a, battle? a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle that you have to pay $1,600 for? One of the key people at Race for RP donated that to us for this purpose, so that was nice. So no cost at all for that. That all went to the Cancer Center. The Addendum Gallery in Carmel City Center donated uh, the pillow that was very popular in the auction, so thank you to that. Obviously, Prime 47 Steakhouse for what they did, and they donated gift certificates and the dinners as well so we raised good money i haven't totally tallied it up yet but it's somewhere around thirteen thousand dollars maybe a bit more so that's fantastic and beyond that for the iu simon cancer center it's it's really as much as anything about team building they want to establish themselves even more in our community uh, and and be the motivation behind a fun event which is what it was that people seem to enjoy And also, really, it's to just remind all of us about the great advantage that's available to us here in central Indiana with a comprehensive cancer center that separates it from most others. It's tough to find. It's, I think, the only one in the state. There are only 51 in the country. And, you know, if anyone we know gets hit with the bad news about cancer, we at least know there's the best option available right here in Indianapolis, and and just trying to spread the word that research cures cancer and they are making real progress so with that it's on to the next event as bill belichick would say we're on to cincinnati and we're on to friday night and this is really just what we started doing last year is just hey can we gather with a few people that are going to be here on race weekend i know where i'm going to be i'm going to be at, at raceway park so let's just do a little program and then with that." Um, I've made contact with my friends at ABC supply I used to do tours for them back in the day and they're raising money for homes for our troops. So we're going to do a mini auction on Friday night and I'll give you more details on that tomorrow. I think there may be an opportunity to participate from afar. I know this someone doted me ma- donated two Indy 500 tickets uh, to me and said, you can auction it off at whatever the next thing is you're doing. So I'm going to get those tomorrow. I think they're around a hundred dollars face value. Rather than just uh, an auction, if you want those, send me a direct message. If you need pretty decent seats, they're in the Tower Terrace. We'll set that up and make that happen, and we'll give you more donations uh, information for that tomorrow and more details on that Friday night at Raceway Park. You can get tickets online for that. We'll do a show from 5.30 to 6.30, and we won't worry about rain for now, and we'll talk about it tomorrow night. We're out of time. We'll see you tomorrow night at 7. Beyond the Bricks with Jake and Mike is coming up next on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.